BYUSN, where BYU coaches said Cougar football was not ready for the game at Oregon. With Oklahoma and Oklahoma State the latest victim of realignment, is BYU against Utah at risk of going away? Please say it isn't so. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, September 20th. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton. To my left sits Jerem Jordan. What up? Today on the show, the kicking competition is on. What Ed Lamb said yesterday on Coordinator's Corner. Dave McCann is in the house to talk about what happened against Oregon, preview Wyoming. We'll get new hoops unis that revealed today from the team. Our latest completely unbiased Big 12 plus 4 uh, power rankings. Yep. Kansas flying up the pole. What? And top five Tuesday features wins versus Wyoming. W-Y doesn't matter. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football working to bounce back after a 21-point loss to the Oregon Ducks. Yesterday, head coach Kalani Satake discussing the mindset he wants his team and staff to have as they prepare for Wyoming. Looking forward to learning from it and getting better. So these... Uh, I mentioned before, Bill, being humble and being hungry. Well, now it's it's a it's a good point where we're in, in this situation now where we're humbled. Now, how much can we learn from this, and how much can we get things back on track? Humble and hungry, the way I wake up every morning. Volleyball drops the spot to 16th in the new coaches' poll, despite winning two last week. Interesting. Cougars start West Coast Conference play Thursday against LMU at 9 Eastern on BYU TV, and then Saturday, number 17, Pepperdine comes in at 3 Eastern, both on BYU TV. BYU women's golf currently in 11th place as a team through 36 holes. They're 22 over par as a team at the Mercedes-Benz Collegiate Championship in Knoxville, Tennessee. Anik Hutchkevich leading the Cougars, tied for 33rd individually at four over par. Play continues today. And BYU's Jack Barnett and Wally Thabe have been invited to the ITA Men's All-American Championships next week in tennis in Tulsa. Barnett for singles and both for doubles. All rise and shout. Once again, it's time for What's Trending. And we head to yesterday's commentary. You heard a little bit from it, from Kalani Satake. When the coaches were discussing where everything went off the rails against the Oregon Ducks, Jerem. And so what we're going to do here is we're going we're gonna to let you listen to just a few snippets of different coaches talking about the specifics where BYU fell short. And we'll start with Ed Lamb on Coordinator's Corner yesterday discussing the environment of Autzen Stadium and what he had to say about BYU showing up ready or maybe not ready to play in Eugene. But the environment, the situation um, was, was too big for us. And as coaches, we've got a part in that too. We did not prepare the team for that moment. And, and by the moment, I mean everything that Oregon does represent and has represented and, and playing at Autzen, there's, there's a lot there, but there's also a lot to being in, in the top uh, 12 in the country mm -hmm. this early in the season, and were we ready for that moment? And clearly we were not. I do appreciate that Ed Lamb is not one to mince words. No, he's straight up. When BYU doesn't play well, he very quickly points to it. And I thought it was interesting that he said, we just were not ready for the moment, both as the 12th ranked team in the country and for that environment in Autzen Stadium. Now, now the question is, well, how do you get ready for something like that? I don't know. That's the, why they're paid more than we are. Yeah. That, that, that's their job to get them ready. Yes. How do they get the team ready for an a unique environment like that and to be ready to handle the number 12 ranking in the country and the target on the back? Autzen is special. I would say it's top 10 in the country in uh, how good that team is in that stadium. Like and toughest how the fans places are. to play? Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
I think so. Um, and and I had seen a game there and felt it myself. I don't have to go to know per se, but it is nice when you go. You're like, okay, yeah, this is awesome. But um, last year, BYU was ranked 10th at 5-0. I thought that this team had experienced, oh, didn't show up for Boise State, fumbled uh, three times. Um, oh, let's learn from that experience and let's not have that again. So that part, it's like, wait a minute, didn't that happen last year? Didn't BYU feel that and, and learn from that? They, they did not. That has, this has a lot, uh, a lot to do with being on the road and playing a better team, right? But I would hope that BYU would have learned from that. Also, how quickly can you experience that? Because guess what? BYU might be walking into Norman next year and playing Oklahoma. And they may be top five. And hasn't this, this group the last five years played some of these crazy games um, at Wisconsin, at Tennessee, like at USC? These, granted, not as many fans show up at USC, but um, there have been some big games, Spence, where I felt like BYU had experienced something like this. Maybe that 12 on the back was too high to yeah, deal with. Yeah. But again, last year, BYU was ranked 10th and at home, and I was hoping would have learned from that experience against Boise State. Yeah, a couple of things come to mind when you bring up BYU winning big games in tough environments in the past. Uh, for whatever reason, it feels like the Oregon game, the Nebraska game, the Tennessee game, nobody outside of maybe the BYU fan base and the BYU team expected the Cougars to go into those places and win, right? So, so like, what, ha- what after, happens? After BYU had been blown yeah. out by Utah in 2019, you got to go to Neyland Stadium. And it's like, oh, man, just compete, like stay close. And then BYU wins that game miraculously. 2018, BYU just lost to Cal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, man, they just lost at home to a mediocre Cal team. Now they're supposed to go beat the number six team in the country. So, like, it, it was kind of like the nothing-to-lose mentality certainly – it felt like benefited BYU in those circumstances. Sure. With Nebraska, it was, well, Nebraska hasn't lost a home opener in 30 years. There's no way Nebraska is going to lose to BYU. And BYU went in as an underdog and little to no expectations outside of the fan base and the team, and they win that game. This one was different because of the number 12 ranking. Like, B- people in the national media were like, BYU is for real. Like, the majority of the college game, they guys picked BYU to beat we Oregon. We did too. We bought into that, right? We picked BYU to beat Oregon. Why wouldn't BYU have won that game? The expectation was just different, and I wonder if that factored in a little bit because Oregon's like, we're going to show you who we are. And Oregon is obviously still Oregon, right? Yesterday I said BYU um, plays better as a dog than a favorite. How does BYU get to the point when it's really good? Like, if you're going to win a Big 12 title... You've got to play well as a favorite. At some point, you're the best team, and you've got to win that, right? Maybe Baylor last year in the Big 12 survived somehow being the underdog until the end because they hadn't won a Big 12 title uh, in a minute or at all, if I recall. So you've got to figure that out. You've got to learn how to uh, be a front runner. And BYU did in the 80s, right? That's how you win a natty, although they kind of came from behind to do it, I suppose. We discussed uh, at length, Jerem, BYU's uh, adjustments in the run game. They opted to go with three down linemen instead of four, essentially softening up the front a bit to allow their linebackers to defend the edges a little bit more, and it backfired. Elisa Tuiaki, the defensive coordinator, talked about preparing for the perimeter run game and the adjustment that was made there. Yeah, the, the identity was a little bit more of a, um, a screens and perimeter run game. Um, they switched and were a little bit more downhill. And so, you know, the, coming into the game, we, we felt like uh, in order to give us a chance to tackle on the perimeters, we wanted to be a little bit more of an odd front team, uh, three down, 
um, spread things out. But um, you know, they, they came in, 12 personnel started running things a little bit more downhill, we're just a little bit different personality. The try, trying to, to adjust and catch up at the time was more of, okay, we've gotta, we've gotta uh, get four down, we gotta stop the run and be a little bit different in the way that we've done it. And, and uh, you know, with, with the, the, the way that you prep and going in with the game plan, it almost, almost felt like a, a, in a, a service academy team. You know, sometimes you play those service academies, it's like, okay, this is how you're gonna stop the option. And you go in and, and your game plan isn't necessarily um, clicking, then you're like, okay, we've spent so much time prepping and getting, getting ready for this. Um, are the adjustments gonna be good enough? Are the players gonna know it? Are we putting too much on them? And I felt like there was a little bit of, of both of it going on mm -hmm. in the game is, are we, are we uh, asking too much of them if we make this change and this change? Um, you know, are the players going to be able to get it? And so, you know, tr trying to catch up at that time, being down by that much, it was really, you know, being aggressive on offense too, right? We needed to, we needed to go for it more um, on fourth downs and, and sometimes ended up giving the ball on our own side, which was just, you know, um, on the defensive side, it makes it look like you're going to lose by a lot. But really, if you, you know, you're, you're, you're going to lose anyways with the, the pace that you're going at, you need to possess, possess the ball and keep going. And so, um, we talked about it as a coaching staff, we're all for the aggression that we needed to try to see if we can get back into the game or we're going to end up getting you know, losing by a lot more, which is what happened. Sometimes the game plan does not work. And he said when things are not clicking, you have to make those adjustments. And maybe because Oregon is so fast and so disciplined and they were so well prepared. In fact, I uh, heard in an offline conversation that Noah Sewell, star linebacker for the Ducks, in speaking Orem with high. several of his former Orem High teammates said, Dude, we prepared super hard for you guys this week. Like, we went all in. Last week, BYU. we mailed it in against yeah, Eastern Washington. We but went not this week. all in <laughs> on preparing for BYU, and we felt like going into the game, we had the perfect game plan against you guys. And he's like, we, we executed that. So, with that in mind, and then the game plan defensively not being right, okay, now, now this picture starts to become a little bit more clear. How, how do you adjust when you're trying to catch up to a team like Oregon? And I don't want to feel like, um, okay, if the game plan wasn't spot on, then you lose. Oregon's super talented. It was hard to overcome that. It was hard to overcome road. It was hard to overcome speed. Obviously, in-game adjustments are a thing that Ryan Rosillo always talks about. It's funny. Like, everyone wants adjustments. Like, what are the adjustments? It's like, if it was that easy, everyone would do them and counter them <laughs> and so on and so forth, right? So, uh, yeah, BYU did not adjust well to that. And even if BYU adjusts to that, doesn't Oregon just go spread it like they were originally maybe BYU thought? Like, who knows? You just have to respond in the moment and you have to do your job. BYU didn't do its job. They missed tackles. Yeah. Their fit wasn't good, meaning where they are in the hole. They're getting uh, bowled over at times. That was disappointing. Uh, and like I said yesterday, Oregon outmanned BYU. That was tough to swallow, but now you move on and you hope that you're ready for Wyoming, Utah State, and then you have significant physical challenges against Notre Dame and Arkansas. Yeah, you brought up tackling, Jeremy, and Kalani Satake, rather than pointing at the scheme as the issue, he said it was just fundamentals starting with tackling. Listen to this. Make tackles is the key. I would be concerned if we didn't have guys there to make to, to hit players, but, um, you know, there, there's the, the scheme is one thing. It's, it's the fundamentals and tackling, tackling the, that cost us a lot. So I'd be concerned if there's guys that are wide open and not in certain places when there's coverage in the pass game and then in the, in the run game, I'd be really concerned if we didn't have bodies to make tackles. And um, I think Oregon made some plays and broke tackles and, uh, you know, we, we had uh, 
we we weren't in the best place to make make tackles. So I don't I don't know if it's a, you can blame it on the front or whatever, but you know uh, we'll, we'll blame it on everybody else. We just got to figure it out. All eleven guys didn't do good enough to make plays against a very athletic and 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 uh, speedy team from Oregon. I think that pretty much sums it up. Not in the right place to be able to make those tackles. The fit wasn't good. Uh, ben Bywater's in the film room. We break down a few plays. It didn't go well. Obviously, talk about his interception. But you talked a lot about that. That's coming up tonight on the Satake Show and later on social media. Yeah, BYU's got to put the fun back in fundamentals. Let's go. And the mental back in it. Make a play. Like, be in the right position. Make a tackle. Seems, si- seems too simple. Make a tackle. Uh it would help if BYU, frankly, could make a few kicks as well. And that has not been the case for the Cougars. Although uh, that wasn't the biggest deal sure, in that game. For sure. It helped, sure. Side story, but it did yeah. get brought up, the kicking game specifically, once again with assistant head coach Ed Lamb talking about the kicking competition now that Jake Oldroyd has been struggling. Listen to this. He's anxious to, uh, anxious to get the next kick. I mean, that's the common denominator. But uh, you know, at the same time, we, we've got to continue to evaluate uh, is 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 that the right thing for the team at this point? And um, is he, you know, he has to continue to earn to be the number one guy, and he's got to make those field goals. It's a, it's you know, this is a bottom line business for everybody on the team, and so we've got to reopen the competition and, and bring out the best in Jake and the other guys. I think this is totally fair. I believe that Jake Oldroyd will prove himself once again this week, and we will see Jake Oldroyd as the number one kicker going into the Wyoming game. But, Jerem, if he misses an early kick against Wyoming, then just maybe it's, okay, let's trot Justin Smith out there and, and see if Justin Smith 100%. can put one through the uprights. I, I think so, if that p- plays out. And yeah. I agree with you. I think Jake will think be Jake the guy will going. Jake will earn it again this week. Yes. The question for BYU is, at that point, are you rolling Justin Smith out if it's a 42-yarder, a 45-yarder, a 48-yarder? Or are you going for it on fourth down? Are you going for it on fourth down at the 30? That puts BYU behind uh, the eight ball a little bit because to be a winning team in tough games, the next two weeks aren't necessarily what we're talking about, although they could be closer than we think. Who knows? But it's Notre Dame and Arkansas. It's Stanford. It's that Boise State that you eye. It's, it's a sneaky East Carolina team at home. It's all the way at Liberty. What if BYU turns it over a couple times? You need kicks to win games. You do. How has Utah been so successful? They've had great defense, excellent special teams. Offense has been good enough. Last year, the offense was very good. Pac-12 was down. They win the league. You need kickers to be great, punting and special teams and kickoff, to be a very good to great team. We think this BYU team is very good to great. That could sway the season in a major way if it doesn't get fixed. And let's remind everyone that Jake Oldroyd has made pressure kicks. I know that these three misses. One gajillion percent. His first field goal made at BYU was a game winner. And he was the backup. In that game, BYU pulled Red Almond. And Jake Oldroyd came in in his opportunity and made the most of it. Uh, the the game-tying kick against Tennessee. Pressure kicks against Utah to snap the streak last year. He has made several pressure kicks. So he certainly has proven that he is capable. It's just, what have you done for me lately? you got to get out of the, you gotta get going out of the, on right the, the yips. Yeah. you got to get rid of the yips. How do you get out of your own mind? Yes. Topic two. Reports have Bedlam. That's Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. Ending when the Sooners go to the SEC no later than 2025. On Football Media Day, we asked Tom Homo if he wanted to play Utah every year when the yeah. Cougars are in the Big 12. Here's what he said. I think that the Utah game is a great, great rivalry. But once the first game wasn't played, 
where the first time we took a break, once that happens and everybody just falls apart about it, then the next time it's not quite so bad. Uh, but it's a great rivalry, and I think the games will be even more meaningful in the future. So we expect BYU and Utah to play, but perhaps a little less than maybe they have. I don't yes. know exactly what that means, right? So if the price of going to the Big 12 is not playing Utah again, let's say they never played again, would it still be worth it? Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, it's worth it because it's, it sustains your program in a way that you can't get without Power 5 money. BYU has been pining, clamoring, positioning, preparing, I mean, putting themselves out on the dating market, like, we are here, we are available, we are capable, and they finally got the invite. So, yes, it would be worth it. It stinks that rivalries go away. I don't like that Texas and Texas A&M don't happen anymore. Although, now that Texas is going to the SEC, that game becomes reinstituted. But that was almost accidental. yeah, Yeah, I hate that Oklahoma and Oklahoma State is going away. That's a great game. That is a super fun game for the state of Oklahoma and for college football in general. And I don't like it when BYU and Utah don't play. You know, it's just, it's like, ah. You know, I wish the game were happening this year. Utah's a good team. They're ranked. Like, how fun would it be if Utah and BYU were both playing as, like, top 15 teams? Like, that would be amazing, right? Significant implications on those seasons they play against each other. I do like that BYU and Utah have games scheduled through 2028. So, after this year, they are scheduled to play in each of the next five seasons. However... I do feel like with with some of these later seasons, like in 2028, BYU has a game against Ole Miss scheduled and a game against Miami. Yes, that Miami in Florida scheduled. I feel like like maybe BYU would take an Ole Miss or a Miami over Utah, just like Utah has done by taking Michigan a few years back in a home and road. And now Florida Florida in a home and road. That's going to happen for BYU too. Because those games just don't happen very often. Tom told us as much uh, in that comment and the extended comment, which you can watch the full conversation on YouTube. One million percentage it's, it's is worth, worth going yeah, to the Big 12. It. Yes. This is what this is the biggest news, not in the history of BYU athletics, the history of BYU. Period. This is amazing news for all the obvious reasons. Yes, I love playing Utah. It's my favorite game in the state of Utah and all the sports that happen here every year. Uh, it's so awesome. But hey. Uh, sometimes uh, you don't play. And Utah kind of did that, has done that twice now. BYU's going to do it, according to Tom Homel. It'll be interesting to see what games BYU chooses over a Utah. But I don't want to play two P5s in a season ever in (laughs) non-conference either. You don't want what 2028 has scheduled right now then because BYU's scheduled to play Utah, Miami, and Ole Miss. I want seven (laughs) home games and sometimes eight uh, at some point. Yeah, if you're only going to keep one of those P5s, and it's Miami and Ole Miss, and those just don't happen very often, Utah's probably going to go away because you've played them the five years previous. Yes. I don't like it, but that's the reality. That's the reality. Okay. Our question of the day. If the cost of moving to the Big 12 is that BYU never plays Utah again, which we do not think will be the case, would it be worth it to you? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. At Opinion on Twitter says... If there was any doubt that it would be worth it before, which there shouldn't have been, it should be gone with the expanded playoff. 100% would be worth it. Yeah, it's BYU football is bigger than playing Utah, Spence. It is. For that, sure. And we, while I love that game more than any other game, it's bigger than Utah. Hashtag BYUSN Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to join that conversation. As a reminder, BYU football with Kalani Satake airs tonight, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app as the coach. And Lopini Katoa discussed the Oregon game 
and preview the matchup with Wyoming. Plus, as Jaron mentioned, Ben Bywater in the film room and a new deep blue focuses on Isaac Rex. Up next on BYU Sports Nation, Dave McCann joins us. What's his biggest concern following the Oregon loss as BYU tries to turn the page to Wyoming? What was it? W-Y? It doesn't matter. Doesn't You're right. Matter. This is BYU Sports Nation. Bring on some of that home cooking. BYU Sports Nation continues from Studio B. This is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. I can you smell the cougar tails. Can you? From home cooking, You can yeah. smell them? Oh, okay. Oh, aren't they delicious? I want a chocolate one. I really do. We're going to get you a Bilt Bar Puff right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tail. We're getting a deal? <laughs> Something to tie you Let's over. Let's go. Joining us now in Studio B is longtime BYU play-by-play -play man Dave McCann. And Dave, we were just talking during the break. Like, it just... The way that BYU lost the game to Oregon certainly leaves a bad taste uh, in the collective mouths of Unlike a people tail. across Cougar Nation. Yeah. Yes, well played. Yeah, uh, not if it has that maple stuff on it. You're not a I'm maple not guy. guy. You're not a maple no. guy. I'm never even going there. Not even trying it. So are you a big? Wait. Are you are you the guy that is pining for like a chocolate? I'm just cougar saying tail? I will eat a Cougar Tail if it's chocolate. Okay. That's it. You want chocolate frosting? Yeah. Wow. You know, like a chocolate bar that's been around since the beginning of time. <laughs> Just expand it, you know, multiply it by five times the size. Okay. Yeah, I was kind of bummed. The um, Having grown up, my dad was director of the Cougar Club for most all our life. And so many of the events were tied into getting people at the stadium, getting the alumni to leave their homes and go to the Rose Bowl or wherever. And, uh, and so when they do it, it's such an awesome thing. I saw it in Vegas for years uh, while working down there when Cougar fans would take over the place. But then when the product doesn't give them much to cheer for, you know, I've always felt bad for, I always felt bad for my dad more than for myself or the team because well, that, they're working with the people. For, for the folks over there, that's it. BYU may not play in Oregon again. Um, and so when they come out and converge, you just want to give them something. So I was disappointed about that. How was it when Rex cut his touchdown? Was it yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the I, I think that we were estimating around eight thousand BYU fans yeah. from Dotson Stadium, which is pretty remarkable. That's the place tremendous. holds fifty four. Like eight thousand BYU fans were there. You know how annoyed we'd be if that happened at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Super annoyed because that's what BYU right? fans like. Well, well, a lot of times the Utes get some folks in when they're all making the noise. In, yeah. It's like. Who gave him those tickets? What are you doing here? Yeah, exactly. No, I, I call it Mormon settlement theory. <laughs> we show up, we annoy the locals, we got to move on. Yeah, Oregon fans said it's, it's only one other occasion they felt like there have been that many opposing fans in the stadium, and it was Nebraska when they played Nebraska really? five years ago. Nebraska. There was gotcha. a big sea of red, and like BYU's, they said their BYU's fans equaled that. So a unique scenario. I remember. Tough to lay an egg like that. I remember when, when BYU came to Vegas, Brandon Dome was the quarterback. They were ranked 20th, I think. Oh, one. And um, their dad's fourth and four, BYU's behind. The UNLV folks be like the biggest win ever. Um, there were tons of BYU fans in there. And, and Doman made a play to Mike Regal, and then he took the next play and ran it like 25 yards. I was down on the sideline, and I remember when Doman went inside the five to go in the end zone. The thunderous roar from the BYU crowd was, it turned me around. And I, that's where I really got the, you know what, on the road, BYU can take over places. And they took over that stadium. Uh, I just remember that feeling. And so when, during game day, when you were showing the contingent of BYU fans, I thought, you can really, 
you know, you can really punch someone in the gut by putting 10,000 people into their stadium. Um, but the common denominator is the team's got to give them something. Sure. And Oregon's yeah. a great team, too. Yeah, yeah, so let's talk about that because there's a few things at play. One, Oregon's good. Otson is top 10, tough Better stadium. than we thought they were. Right? And we let them off the hook. Uh, we did. Yeah. Uh, and, and BYU is very good, Dave. Yeah. That's, so where do you start with the concern of what we hope is an anomaly versus maybe a trend? I, I think the next two games they should run the football. If they don't run the football against Wyoming and Utah State, there's a problem. Um, I don't think you can make that judgment on Baylor. Uh, you can, South Florida they ran. Everyone ran. But Baylor was tough and, and Oregon's tough. Um, and upsets happen. That wasn't an upset. Uh, Oregon was favored to win, and then they, they but they, the way they won it was upsetting. Um, <laughs> yes, it but was. it wasn't an upset. <laughs> but I saw a stat. I saw a stat yesterday. After 32 NFL games, 16 favorites won, 16 underdogs won. How about that? Now, do you think every team that lost to an underdog is thinking we've done it all wrong? We got to change everything, or do they just go out in week three and go, let's do our thing and get to two and one? So we've had two case studies of positive and a, a case study of negative. So. The real midterm exam is Notre Dame and Arkansas. These next two games, I think, are to get it right. There's some margin for error. You can work through some kicking woes against Wyoming and Utah State. Mm -hmm. Still got to play good to win. But it's not, you know, the game shouldn't come down to a field goal these next two games. Um, so these two are, I think, the indicators. Can we play smash mouth football like we, we have done? Will we do that against Wyoming? I believe that offensive line I, I interviewed... Uh, uh, Clark Barrington yesterday, I believe they're going to come out agitated. You know, I would hope so. 6'5 and 300 and something pounds and agitated is how we beat Baylor. That's how we lost, you know, 6'5, 305, unagitated is how we got beat by Oregon. That's how Spence comes out every show, agitated, <laughs> just ready to go. And agitation, every show. agitation has a number right? of, there's a number of elements to agitation focus, yeah. Yeah. determination, embarrassment, you know. I'm an NFL potential player. I'm going to go play to my potential. All those things. And um, would, when Oregon plays Baylor, if they play in Waco, Baylor wins. Baylor plays Oregon and Eugene, Oregon wins. Baylor played here, BYU won. BYU played there, Oregon won. Let's play neutral. Let's We're talking that. about top 25 programs. Yep. And um, I was glad to see BYU stay in the top 20. I think they deserve to stay in the top 20. And they could back that up Saturday. Or if they come out and kick it around and barely win, then they don't deserve to be in the top 20. But I was glad the national media didn't kick them right out. Sure. The only good news about the Oregon game to me was that BYU stayed in the top 20. Because those two late touchdowns when BYU's down by 31 keep you in the top 20. If BYU doesn't, maybe scores one touchdown but not two, I think BYU's like 22nd or 23rd. We're kind of bugged. That mattered a little bit. In the, that was the only moral victory was, oh, yeah. stayed top 20. When you get outplayed – Outpositioned everything that Kalani said and, and Bywater said. Everybody, when you when that happens, as an observer, I only played one year of little league football, so Blaine and David will be the experts tonight and after further review. But as an observer, when you get pounded like that, you know, we didn't all walk away going, "No, oh, there's ten different things we choked to not win that game." That's painful. Think of all the Utah BYU rivalry you were just talking about. The doink on the field goal, the miss that. That's what makes those games painful. We still remember them. When you just get soundly defeated, you're going, okay, we got to play better against these guys. And then we have physical challenges coming up. Notre Dame, Arkansas, and, uh, you know, Boise State will be a physical challenge and Stanford and all that. But the springboard is we get through these next two games. 
Then you got Notre Dame and Arkansas as redemption games, the same way Oregon used our game. Arkansas here will be a tough game for BYU. It can be a very tough game for Arkansas. Oh, it will be. And I think we've pointed out the fact that Arkansas gets BYU at the end of just a gauntlet. Right. It begins with Texas A&M this week, hosting Alabama at Mississippi State. Then they got to travel to Provo after that at the end of that four-game slate. That is tough sledding for Arkansas. And they got to deal with the electric home crowd in Provo. Yep. You look at the schedule. If BYU is a legitimate top 20 team, and, and again, how they respond Saturday will tell us that. Uh, the road back into the top 10 at a New Year's Six Bowl is right out in front of them. The Oregon loss doesn't kill you if you beat Notre Dame and Arkansas. you got to go to Liberty. I mean, you still have to play good football. There's forever left in the season. Yeah. But uh, all is not lost. The BYU's not going to the championship playoff. You know what? <laughs> oh, no. There's only four teams that are going. We already know who they are. <laughs> Disappointment for everybody. It was fun while it lasted. But the, the opportunity to go where we've never been is still right there. Just how do they respond to getting their, their rear ends kicked? Yeah, and it's tough because there's only one at large with the Cotton and Peach being in the playoff this year. This is the worst year to have a great team uh, for BYU, unfortunately. But if we had said, hey, BYU's 2-1, and one, top 23 games, we would have been happy preseason. And if you're going to lose a game, is this not the game to lose? That and perhaps were, Notre tech, Dame and BYU Vegas? BYU was not supposed to win the game, according to Vegas. We just got excited because BYU beat Baylor. Well, that's what fans do. That's why, we, that's Absolutely. Why, that's why this show exists. <laughs> and it's why on Saturday, people fill the Edwards Stadium again, and they'll tune in because it's, it's what we love. And, and I, a neighbor was bemoaning the game to me yesterday. I go, you'll feel better on Saturday. <laughs> Because that's, that's how we court. do it. You know, it's, it's like a big glass of great Kool-Aid on a hot day. <laughs> After you lose, you just feel better when your team plays and, and you win. Michigan's 3-0. Awesome. They beat uh, UConn. They beat Hawaii and uh, somebody else all at home. High school teams by Michigan standards. But they're 3-0, ranked number four, and they're feeling great. Do they know anything about themselves? Probably not. Um, BYU knows a lot about itself after three games against two top 25 teams and South Florida, which had Florida beat mm. in the swamp on Saturday. And then they, at the end, they were just South Florida. Oh, those they, directional schools at that. the G5 it's, level. Jim. It's easy to beat Florida. Ask Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, ask Tennessee this week. Florida's not that good. Dave, maybe it's just a coincidence, but the last four BYU losses have all been in the afternoon. Well, well, well. It's, it's very interesting. Now, are you buying into BYU <laughs> not being ready to play an afternoon game for whatever reason, or is it just a coincidence in your mind? Well, who are the teams? Or, uh, UAB. UAB. Okay. Baylor, Baylor. Boise State at home, yeah. and now Oregon. Boise State was inexcusable. What We fumbled three times in that game, hadn't fumbled three times in a year and a half. Um, UAB feels to a degree inexcusable. Yep. UAB is inexcusable, even with our backups. Um, yeah, maybe there's something to that. That you know, that the, there was the rain element in the Boise and UAB game. It didn't affect their team, but but for some reason, it, it affected BYU. Did BYU look over Boise State because Baylor was the following week? That kind of happens sometimes, as we figure. But yeah, afternoon games haven't been great. I don't know why, because they're great for the announcers. Yes, great they are. for the crew, because we don't have to stay up till two in the morning. Mm. Um, maybe that's a thing, but. A lot of our games are played at 8.15 at night, and especially at home. Yep. Um, Including this weekend against Wyoming. And then next week's a Thursday night. 
Like, yeah. prepare yourself for a, a weird situation there. You know, that's going to be kind of cool, though, because it's prime time on ESPN. The NFL game's on prime, whatever. you got to go find that. Uh, and when they booked that, they expected the Aggies to play like the defending Mountain West Conference champions. UNLV's probably going to beat them this week. And so that's a different kind of game, but it's a great stage for BYU to remind everyone they beat Bay- Baylor. You know? Oh, yeah. At this point, it's to remind everyone they beat Baylor because they were ninth. And then your next big reminder is... Hey, we beat Notre Dame in Vegas if they can do that. Dave, great to have you with us. Big show on After Further Review. Coming That's coming up tonight. up tonight, 7 Eastern time. Uh, watch it on the BYU TV app as Dave breaks down his little league experience in Orton. No, I'm just kidding. Tonight, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Ryan and Nixon will explain why these players work Yes. Plus, up next, a Zach Wilson update. Is he going to play this week? And if so, is it going to help Jerem? win, you know, head-to-head in our BYU I need you, Zach! I need you! (laughs) Stay with us. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Make sure you follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. He's Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Jerem, start us off. He always wearing navy with a white helmet Saturday against Wyoming. Revealed as much yesterday in this photo of the lineman looking down at the camera. What comes to mind here? Uh, <laughs> that's a whole lot of uh, big guys, you know. Uh, that's an intimidating scene for me, Jerem. I, I think a Utah fan said it best. Like, this is, what a, this is what a baby blessing looks like, right? Statue of wit, POV of a child for their baby blessing. <laughs> <laughs> that is spot on. That is spot on. <laughs> it's an intimidating scene right there. Uh, and the white helmet with the all navy, that, that's not a common uniform combination. Third time all time, according yeah. to Ad BYU Uniforms, uh, which tracks this. Okay. Do you like it? Yeah. I'm okay oh, with there's it. There's no combo I don't like. Yeah. I like all of them. It'll look great. It'll yeah. look great under the Saturday Night Lights, especially BYU covers. It's going to look great. It destroys Wyoming. 50 to yeah. 14. Yes. Robert Sala, the head coach of the New York Jets, has confirmed that Zach Wilson, not a surprise, will not play until week four. We learned about this a few weeks ago. Jerem, you have Zach Wilson on your fantasy football roster. I still do, yes. Is he the answer uh, to your struggles once he is made clear and available to play for the Jets? I'm hoping he is, because I need to neutralize one Jaron Hall, but I don't think Zach is going to do that by himself. I just need some... The real issue here is the BYU run game has not produced for me enough to where Chris Brooks and or Lopini Katoa are giving me a ton of points here. But Zach will help. I saw a stat today that blew my mind about the Jets. Joe Flacco threw for 306 yards and four touchdowns, and the Jets win on Sunday. All 300 in the fourth quarter. Okay, first 300-yard passing performance for a Jets quarterback in 22 years. Yikes. Let's go, Zach. Yeah, yeah. The, the Jets go, need Zach. Zach to, like, keep that trend rolling. Follow, follow in, his, in uh, the footsteps of uh, Joe, Joe Flacco and Chad Pennington. Eli Manning posed as a homeschooled dude named Chad Powers at a Penn State walk-on tryout mm-hmm. where he ran a 5 4 9 40. Are you Chad. proud of running faster than Chad Powers? Fast Chad. Uh, yeah, in a weird way. <laughs> uh, I was pointed out by our friend Pat Haas, yes, of that Haas family, that I ran a faster 40 time than, than Eli Manning <laughs> We're almost the same age. He's a little bit was, older than me. Was Eli known for his quicks? Never. Uh, no. Never. But for beating Tom Brady in two Super Bowls, certainly. Absolutely. 5-4-9? I'm actually surprised it was that fast, so well done, Eli. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's all slow at that level. <laughs> Can you be proud of running a faster 40 than 5.49? Yikes. <laughs> uh, moral victory for me. BYU basketball will be revealing some new threads today. Are you excited about the new basketball uniforms? Absolutely, cannot wait. I don't actually know what they are, so I'm uh, like everybody else. I just to see this. I see some white and royal in the picture. That's mm -hmm. all. It's just very. So I'm I'm kind of excited about that. Maybe maybe they're embracing some more royal. They've had a royal trim they uni have. with the old school '81 font. That's existed. Yeah, it's not new. Maybe so royal it's gonna be something different a more, though. A more prominent player. And there's something a little. It looks like there's a little bit of black. Like now we're talking. Because I love the black unis in basketball. There's, I love There's them. black trim in that picture that was tweeted out. Again, we don't know. Like, there's black trim there with Royal. Now, volleyball and soccer are using uh, prominently black uniforms. Football does not have a black uniform currently. Perhaps they'll bring it back. Bring it back! One. I would love for them to bring it back. Bring it back! Yes. Speaking of things coming back, Jerem. how about EA Sports? It's in the game, Spence. It NCAA is. college football. Uh, is, is a game that's coming out here in, what, two years? Uh, it's going to include the transfer portal. <laughs> Many athletic directors feel like the portal's ruining the game, but will this ruin the game? The, the actual video game? No, it won't ruin it, but I feel like you could have your own transfer portal in years previous. You just create your own player. Yes. And then, yeah, add, them to, and then add them to your team and yes, customize rosters. I would have myself, like, I would be seven feet tall and 400 pounds and unbelievably fast and strong. Like, are they just going to simulate? That's how it, it rolls. Is it going to be simulated? So, like, if you are playing with a team and you have a bad season, like, your the star backup, players, like, they leave. I'm out. You're like, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. You got to, like, try and convince them to re-recruit. You re-recruit. Like, is, that, is that going to happen? I'm not. I, like, I never did these seasons <laughs> where I was the coach and needed to help my team. In the, I just want to play the game. The dynasty mode. Yes, I just want to play the game. Yeah, like, I, I feel you like. You play to get it's fired. It's cool. There, there are a ton of options in these games, which is incredible, right? It's a lot of fun, so it's, it can appease Man, a lot of people. Is NIL going to be in the game? Hey, we got this local business. You can be so overwhelmed that you actually forget to play the game itself, right? Because yeah. you're like managing your transfer portal and your dynasty mode. I got enough going on in my life. I don't need to be managing the transfer oh, portal. Oh, crap! Smash Williams is transferring! What am I going to do? Smash Williams. <laughs> the Jason Street's not going to play for me next season. Oh, BYUSN social behavior expert Jason Shepard. Really? Mm-hmm. Weighed in last night with the following tweet, Jerem, and okay. I quote, Can we please train people that work registers to not grab drinks by the top where we drink from? I'm not a germaphobe, but I'm also not not one. Uh, remember, this is the same guy who brings his own salad dressing to restaurants with Jason <laughs> Shepard. Jerem is Shep wrong in this case. I had not thought about this one. When the lid, you know, they're grabbing the lid that you're pulling up or you're touching the, it's probably right. Probably grab from the bottom, sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm with him. <laughs> I love Shep. Oh, I'm, but in, in the case of this take, I'm not saying that Shep is not not a Karen, okay? Is he a Ken? <laughs> is that the male equivalent? <laughs> but maybe I am saying that? No, I kid. Uh, I, I, I'm with you. I've not even I've thought, not thought about, about that it. ever. Like, the guy grabs a drink from the neck of the from bottle, the, and you're like, yeah. I can't drink it! Like, hey, I've never thought that, that, ever. Although our producer will wait at Panda Express for fresh, um, 
fresh chicken. Which chicken is it? He'll wait. Oh, okay. Teriyaki chicken? Okay, that, sure. Say it. So it kind of holds up the line. We pass and we get okay. our food, sit down and start eating. We're still waiting for him to get it. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> still no comment from Ben in my ear. Shep is clearly not a, <laughs> he's, he's clearly not a guy that shares straws. <laughs> no. There are things called straws. That's a great point. Okay, check out all your Cougar Sports content from shows to games to deep blues. It's all in one place, homies. BYUSN.com or the BYU TV app. And did BYU football drop in our totally unbiased and new version of our Big 12 Plus 4 Power Rankings? And which team had the biggest jump? Hmm, this is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live in Studio B on Tuesday, September 20th. That Navy is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. It is time to roll out our brand new, totally unbiased Big 12 Plus 4 Power Rankings. Uh, Jerem, not a ton of changes this week. One big mover, mm -hmm. and BYU did make a move. Not surprising after losing to Oregon, the Cougars dropped one spot. So let's roll it out. Beginning at the top, Oklahoma still holding steady as the number one team. Oklahoma State number two. Texas number three. We're giving a lot of love to that. Indeed, indeed. And I, BYU is number four. Baylor number five because BYU beat Baylor head-to-head. -head. Okay. okay, not surprised there. Yeah. Iowa State, Kansas State, and then Kansas is up to number eight. They jumped five spots. Should Kansas be higher? They're 3-0. They're receiving votes. Yep. They dominated what we thought was going to be a pretty good Houston team, which seems to be reeling a little bit right now. Yep. Should Kansas be even higher than their five-spot jump? Kansas uh, taking it to Houston, uh, pretty impressive. No, we don't trust Kansas yet. <laughs> Absolutely not. This is not 2009 where they were in the top five. And should BYU be supplanted by Texas? Be Texas has beaten Louisiana Monroe mm -hmm. and UTSA, but they almost beat Alabama. So are we crediting their almost win yes. at home against yes. Alabama we over an actual victory by BYU against a team like Baylor B and, yes, a blowout loss at Oregon? If BYU had done that same thing, we'd be like, no, we might be the best team. But if you hang with Alabama and probably should have won, you're pretty good. Even if it's home. Texas is back, even says if Joe it's, Even if it's home and Alabama has the most penalties they've ever had in a game. In Who induced those era, penalties? Who caused those? The fans? Like the, the environment? I don't know. Texas is to be credited with playing Alabama close. Absolutely. More so Absolutely. than BYU. It's We're Alabama. Beating it's Alabama. Yeah. But you yeah. didn't, but it's a loss. Is a moral victory worth more than an actual victory? In this case, because Alabama. <laughs> if Alabama, Georgia, or, or Ohio State are involved, absolutely. Interesting. Nobody else. Okay. Not Michigan, I not feel, Oregon. I feel like no. Texas and BYU are appropriately ranked. In the AP poll, Texas is 22, BYU is number 19. BYU barely beat Baylor as well in this conversation. But they beat but. them. But they beat them. Yes. Uh, Iowa State at 3-0. Uh, they play Baylor this week, so that'll be an interesting one. Okay, Kansas State is interesting in the seventh spot. Beat Missouri. Lost to Tulane, though. Mm -hmm. Kansas is interesting. I still think Cincinnati might be good. They only lost by seven at Arkansas. Granted, Missouri State gave the Razorbacks a tough time, but who knows. Houston is the most uh, interesting thing here. 13th. Uh, most disappointing by far. We thought they might be the G5 
uh, team that uh, made a New Year's Six this year. Two OT teams split those, lost to Kansas. Mm. We still got to see a little more from Kansas um, in, in this. But, yeah, I could see BYU at, at even five here. But, yeah, te- uh, four, five, top five. Yes, BYU's right, a ranked no, team. Four. They're in the top 20. Beat Baylor. Yes, didn't look terrible against Oregon, but going to get back on track this week against mm. Utah Okay. Wyoming. So BYU I number four. Number time. four, just behind them, the team they beat head-to-head, Baylor. But Texas up to number three. Kansas at number eight. Those are the big movers. Uh, it's When BYU gets into the Big 12, I'm just looking at this list and I'm looking at the quality of top to bottom. Like West Virginia is, quote-unquote, the worst team. They're 58 in the SP+. Plus They're 62 70. in Massey, which is a combination and of... 70 in FPI. Like, they're still in the upper half That's of college football. That's the worst team. So you they're still go to, better than what? All the Are they better than yeah, most of the Mountain Let's West? say you got to go to Morgantown to play that team <laughs> on the road. Like, that's still a really, really tough road trip in game. And, yeah, who is the, quote-unquote, best group of five team right now? Like, who's the best group of five None team? None are in the top 25, There's by no the way. There's no group of five team in the top 25. BYU is the only non-Power 5 team, last year of that, in the top 25. Is it Appalachian State? Probably. Because they beat Texas A&M. And they should have beaten should North have Carolina. Beaten North Carolina yeah. And then one, on the, Again, one of the most miraculous Hail Marys I've ever seen against Troy. And you just gave a team that almost won a game against the Power 5 team some credit. Well, they beat Texas A&M, dude. Yes. They, they beat Texas and they A&M. All, and, but we acknowledge that they should have beaten North Carolina. Sure. But, and you throw a Hail Mary, you got lucky. So maybe not. They maybe Appalachian State's not the team. <laughs> Who's the group of five team that's... Going to get into that BCS game. Anybody but Coastal is what I say. Coming up uh, this Thursday night, number 16 women's volleyball begins WCC play against LMU, 9 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. And up next, the top five wins all time against Wyoming. Yeah, it's Wyoming week. This is BYU Sports Nation. WY! Who cares? It doesn't matter. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Hey, the show's on demand. You can get it on BYUSN.com, BYU TV app, BYU radio apps as well. Or download the podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. Welcome back to Studio B. It's time for Top 5 Tuesday. It is Wyoming week with that in mind and the Cowboys on the schedule. This Saturday, we look back at the top wins all time for BYU against WYO. Throughout the 100 years of BYU football, emphasis on 100 years. It's actually illegal to chant that while sober. Fun fact. Number five, we go back to the first season of Cougar football 100 years ago in 1922. The Cougars beat Wyoming 7 to nothing. I'm not sure, but perhaps Boney Fuller yep. had the touchdown in this contest. Did Boney Fuller score the touchdown? We'll have to confirm with his Twitter account. We won't actually look at the details. Flash forward to 2009. BYU led by Max Hall and Dennis Pitta win 52 to nothing in Laramie. The Cougars racked up 543 total yards. Hall passing for 312, rushed for 231. Wyoming, on the other hand, held to a mere 225 yards in an absolute rout of the Cowboys up on the plains. Number three, 1984, already 5-0. BYU survives an old wax shootout in Provo to stay perfect. 41-38 thanks to 384 yards and five touchdowns from Bob Bosco, 136 of which went to David Mills for three touchdowns. That, that gold 
with that white there, Ugh. just uh, just the worst. Just win. In 2016, <laughs> BYU headed to the final poinsettia bowl in San Diego. Jamal Williams ran for 210 yards in his final game as a BYU Cougar. BYU had a 24-7 lead and held on in the final minute thanks to an interception by Kai Nakua on Bills quarterback and current NFL superstar Josh Allen, of all people, saving the game. Josh Allen turned out to be pretty good. And the number one flavor is Wyoming. 1996 WAC championship game. The first of only three of these, by the way, for the conference in Vegas. BYU's first overtime is game as well, 13-1. Steve Sarkeesian leads the game-tying uh, drive, and then boom, right there, Ethan Potchman, don't call me Owen, with a game-winning field goal, ultimately sending BYU to the Cotton Bowl. You and I were both at this game. Yep. I start running onto the field with my sister, Whitney, and my aunt, Angie, and uh, KSL, a couple years ago, had video, and here I am <laughs> at, with my incredible bangs as a 13-year-old on the field of this game. At least you were wearing royal blue in that game. And not yeah, I didn't wear like maroon to the Texas a game. Yeah, classic, classic. Question of the day. If the cost of moving to the Big 12 is the BYU never plays Utah again, would it be worth it, yes or no? Our Elite Voice of the Day presented yes. by PAX Healthcare Elevated from BYU Boyan on Twitter says, it would be worth it, but why not drag Utah to the Big 12 or 16? and beat the snot out of them there instead. <laughs> beat the snot? We'll just take one-point wins. It uh, doesn't have to be uh, that hard. Yeah, I would love Utah in the uh, the new Big 12 at some point. be a lot of fun. For now, the pack's holding on. For now. Meaningful rivalry games in November. Mm -hmm. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics, and we give it to Easton Oliverson, the Snow Canyon Little Leaguer who suffered a major head injury while at the Little League World Series back in August. We've recognized him before as a rise and shout out, but today he gets another one as he is congratulated for finally returning home That's to great. St. George. Welcome back, man. Welcome yes, back. Easton. Lots of love to you, man. All right, our thanks to today's guest, Dave McCann. Sorry to Dennis, no time. For Jeremiah Spencer, after further review on BYU football with Kalani Satake live tonight on the BYU TVF, shout out to Mark Bellini, go Cougs.